you have just entered the portal of discovery, complete with a British chick intro. Now, strap yourself in. We are in control of... We can adjust the treble. The bass. Add, add echo. Welcome to Speaking Out, America. We are in control. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are in control. It's good to have you here on this, what I think is a beautiful day. Uh, the sun is out, and, uh, it, you know, we have somehow managed to avoid being incinerated by our mother orb. If I told you yesterday that uh, there was a very significant CME, which is a cosmic mass, uh, eje- coronal mass ejection of, you know, that stuff that the sun's made out of, which is in the tens of thousands of degrees, and it just travels through space at an unspeakable speed. And what it does is it, it it essentially gets blocked much of it by you know the magnetic poles and our atmosphere, which is so fragile to begin with. And you know there were some ground satellites that were down. People were having some troubles, not significant enough to make the headlines, mind you, but still pretty interesting, I think. Anyway, it's good to have you here today. We have uh, Soundbite Thursday, which I always look forward to. And we've got some interesting ones today that I've called from social media. It's amazing what what you find out there. Uh, Also, I want to talk about uh, transitioning and what Florida has been doing. And they just, this is unbelievable that this even has to be done, but it's done. And it's, it's, the lawmakers of Florida are reacting to the culture, which is trying to force transgenderism down our throats. Every day I read another story. Now, it could be by design that I read and I see a lot of articles that are appearing everywhere. Maybe they're just clickbait, you know. But and I'll give a good example. Here is a student in Riverside, California, at a school board meeting this week. And she is speaking out against what the school board is doing to promote transgenderism. And uh, boys, allowing boys, consequently into girls' bathrooms, uh, that safe zone. So listen to this uh, young lady as she speaks before the, the school board on behalf of the students. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and only ladies and gentlemen it is and shall always be. I am an 18-year-old high school student and wanted to take this time to bring to your attention the current issue with biological men claiming they are women and in turn truly believing that they are entitled to use women's spaces. There was an incident within our district that occurred recently regarding a transgender woman who really is a biological man having an altercation with a young woman at MLK High School. It was infuriating when I had seen the video on social media, but what was detrimental to this is the fact that this man is and has been using the women's restroom and locker room. Firstly, the question we must address is why are we affirming the mental confusion of this boy and putting the safety of women in jeopardy by allowing mentally confused men to use the women's spaces? Of course, any male who claims he is a woman will accept it. But what about the women? What about the true girls like myself who are female down to our DNA? Why don't we ever get a say in whether or not we are comfortable with this? The truth is we aren't. The majority of us aren't, and yet nothing has been done to protect the safety of these women. I will conclude with this. It all starts with you. You are in charge of the safety of us women and our, and the parent and the kids of our parents. So please do something about it. Thank you. Well, nobody in California will ever do anything about it. That's for sure. I mean, she's barking up the wrong tree. It's one of the few conservative strongholds left 
in the state of California, and I can almost guarantee you that they won't do anything about it if they don't have to. They're going to have to, somebody's going to have to bring bring some sort of you know uh, suit against them. But who's going to do that in this in this current ideological struggle? But in Florida, they are doing something about it. Florida Republicans on Wednesday approved bills to ban diversity programs in colleges and prevent students and teachers from being required to use pronouns that don't correspond to someone's sex, building on top priorities for Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, that's how it's reading from the Associated Press, so I have to be very careful about the way they use their verbiage. The two proposals were given final passage by the Republican supermajorities in the House and Senate, and DeSantis is expected to sign it. Now, what that means, uh, for those of you who who uh, care, is that parents, teachers, uh, students will not be forced legally or nothing, no harm can come to a child who refuses to comport to the wishes of a person suffering from gender dysphoria. In other words, if someone who identifies as a woman or a girl but is a boy, you will not be forced to have to acquiesce to that person's demands that you address them a certain way, which in some states will get you fired. Teachers have been fired for this. I've seen at least a dozen stories of high school teachers being losing their positions. I've heard of people losing their positions in corporate America for not addressing someone as the pronoun they wish you you to use. So in Florida, the governor here is saying, protect, basically protecting you. The same way he did with, with the vaccine mandate, mandates and the mask mandates, he's always about protecting the citizen from the forces of culture. And in this case, you know, he might as well get started on some climate laws because pretty soon, uh, you know, oh, actually he did. Just a few days ago, he also come up, came up with a series of, of pieces of legislation that prevent companies from being forced to adapt to ESG standards or DIE, uh, whatever they call investigations. So right now there's a real battle going on in the world, uh, especially in this country, but particularly in Western cultures, over the culture which are these ideologues that are cramming down almost in a very McCarthy kind of way where you have to prove your innocence. You have to prove that you are compliant with green energy standards. You have to prove that your hiring is, is completely equitable, that it's, it's exactly the proportion of whatever city you live in or and you have to have so many people of color or, or people of uh, race or diversity or so many gay people have to be on your staff. And it gets just to be ridiculous, doesn't it? It just gets to be so petty. And who, and I had this conversation yesterday with the author David Masters, and we went back and forth on this. Who do these people think that they are? What? Where do they get their power? They get their power from a paper tiger called social media. We learned this, and I've seen it firsthand, where uh, people of conservative ilk uh, are taken down by the appearance, just the appearance, of there being an army of people who are going to boycott your store. And and they learned back in the aughts and probably in the 90s as well that if you get 10 people in a room to make 100 phone calls a day to the same organization, 
that organization really will feel that they have to change whatever tune they're playing. And they'll do it because they perceive of this army that's there. And that's what where we are. And when we have the media, the media is echoing the wishes of the progressive left. So we are left with a perception that the media is reporting that a majority voice is for abortion. A majority voice is for transgender rights. A majority of the voice. And that simply isn't true. Now, I would admit that in places like California and the coastal metropolitan areas, there are overwhelmingly majority people who believe a certain way. California obviously has gone completely left and, in my opinion, completely bonkers on everything. They have people believing in such untruths. It's, it's, it's like walking, you know, like that movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the second one. It's like that. It's like you're afraid to say anything because somebody's going to start pointing at you and screaming. And then all these other woke pods are going to run after you and chase you down the street and force you uh, to go to sleep. That's what they did in the movie. They, they made people go to sleep so that, so that whatever took over took over their consciousness. And that's what I see in California, and I see it in places like New York. Oh, man, the other day, it's 85 degrees outside, sunny. There's a nice breeze. And I see people walking around with masks, still wearing masks. There's still a report the other day where it talked about the ineffective. Did you know that uh, Rochelle Walensky, CDC director, she finally admitted that the the not only did the vaccines not prevent spread, but neither did the masks. I mean, she made full admittance to this to Congress. Isn't that amazing? I don't recall seeing that on the evening news. Do you? So here we are, smack dab in the middle of yet another controversy now where the press is going to flout this don't say gay statement, the alleged don't say gay bill. They always say the alleged, the only people that are alleging that it's anything to do with verbiage and restricting. I, I Again, the interpretation is always left to the people and where do you sit ideologically. So, for example, if you're pro-gay LGBTQ, you're going to look at what Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and his team of people on the Hill uh, have done. And what they've done is that they've saved people from having to get in the clutches of the LGBTQ laws that demand uh, your compliance. That's all they did. They protected the U.S. citizen or the Florida citizen that nobody can force that person to say something that they don't believe is true. That's what this bill is about. The two proposals were given final passage by the Republican supermajorities. As mentioned, the state's legislative session scheduled to end this week, as you know, has been dominated by all kinds of cultural issues. And uh, in this bill, again, it bans classroom instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation up to the eighth grade. And it legally reinforcing a DeSantis administration move to prohibit to prohibit such lessons in all grades. It also strengthens the system in which people can lodge challenges against school books, another DeSantis initiative. I mean, we're talking about porn in the libraries. I I don't remember them having porn in the libraries when I was young. Not at all. Uh, You know, where was I? Every every young 14-year-old boy would have loved to have had that. We'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to Speaking Out, America. I'm JR, your host. Be right back.
Welcome back to Speaking Out America. Don't forget our website, speakingoutamerica.com. And then, of course, if you want to email the show, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. And then, of course, uh, always here, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific on crntalk.com, part of the CRN Talk family. It's good to be here with you as we bring you what I think are the important stories of the day and certainly that have the most impact on us all. Uh, interesting statistics out earlier this week that show that we are at the lowest level that we have ever been in recorded history of just how skilled our students are at learning, at reading, doing math, science, basic science, the ability to do basic, you know, basic education. We are at the lowest level that we've ever been in our republic. Uh, there are more illiterate people graduating in all the major schools, the Scholastic Achievement Awards are far fewer and far lower than they've been. I'll pull up those statistics a little bit later. But what it portends to is that our unions and all those people that run those schools have gotten so far off track from their original point, which was to teach children. I, you know, we, we all know the memories of the school teacher who's in a wooden house and there's 15 kids. I mean, that's what, what it was for a long time. In American history, you know, and it was seen as a privilege to go to school because if you had an education, it, it was a guarantee that you were going to be able to feed yourself for your life. And and in, in many countries around the world, education is such a prized thing because in many parts of the world, they don't have that. They don't have education easily accessible as we do in the United States. But look what's been done to our educational system. You know, we talk a lot about how the uh, it's become politically correct. It's an indoctrination center. They're teaching our kids all about being empowered and being activists. You know, and we see all the kids that they're now a part of these protests. You know, the, the teachers are letting them go from school, saying, here, you go do this. They're encouraging them to be activists, but they're not encouraging them to know how to balance a checkbook or buy a stock, or sell a stock, or know how to evaluate real estate. Or, I mean, that's college level for most people. It's not even high school level. You should know those things before you get out of high school, I would think. If, you tr if the purpose of education is to give you well-rounded knowledge so that you can, again, feed yourself, then you have to know how to play the rules of the game. You know, when I see that landscape of all of those homeless people out there, a lot of them I see are just basically illiterate. They may, they may know how to do the basic math, basic English, but they talk like they don't. Most people have very, very poor English. They do not speak well. And that's how, that's how ideas don't get communicated. If you can't communicate, then you're not going to be able to tell people exactly what you need. And you're not going to be able to figure out how to get what you need. And in the inverse, if you're speaking to somebody who's not very educated then they're not going to understand what you're trying to tell them or how you're trying to help them. And so our society now is filled with people who are coming out of these schools and they're not prepared to make a living. They don't. They barely know how to get along. Oh, they know how to go on Internet. They know how to, you know, now, of course, with AI, pretty soon artificial intelligence will just replace what we call intelligence today. The next generation, the, the, the kids that are coming out of school now, preceding these previous 10 years, they're going to have a hard time going at it. 
they're going to be competing against China. We, we America could end up being a third world country in a generation where we're the workers that are worrying at low pay, that, that are producing things that are being used overseas by the more affluent countries. That's a shocking thing to try to speculate on, but it's true. If, if, if trends continue and our children continue to lower their standards and if our teachers continue to lower their standards on what is called acceptable, now they're trying to teach equitable math where they don't give you one plus one equals two. They give you some other kind of strange math that, that has nothing to do with math. It's uh, some social justice, uh, you know, the same with history. Everything now in history that's taught is taught through the lens of racism. Uh, and science, everything that's taught in science is taught through the lens of climate change and the climate crisis. I had my son come home one day from college and they were teaching him astronomy and all they were stuck on was climate change, the Earth's atmosphere. They just couldn't get away from it. They're teaching our children to be social justice warriors, but they're not teaching them to think. And they're not giving them the skills they need in order to perform adequately in society and be competitive. So they'll, you know, in, in, they'll be stuck in poverty. And they'll never get out of it. And that's, that's the tragedy. And who's going who's gonna to support them? If you want to see the future, look at Skid Row in L.A. All right. So on a positive note, uh, millions of Americans are gathering at homes and churches today for the National Day of Prayer. The annual event calls for Christians to pause and pray for the nation. The theme of this year's event is derived from James 16, quote, pray fervently in righteousness and avail much, end quote. Events are planned in all 50 states, and they're doing all kinds of things on television, on the right channels, at least, we, we you know. And, and we need prayer. We need prayer. When, when, you know when I think we need prayer? When I hear my vice president speaking like this. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. Tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. So live today. So the future today will be as the past today. As it is tomorrow. Today is today. Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah, I'd be praying for her. Now, she could either be drunk... She just had a stroke, which would be tragic, and somebody should pull her off the stage and call 911. Or she was trying to be philosophical, which, if that was her idea of being philosophical, we're all in trouble. You know, again, if you, if you want to pray, here's a good reason. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the Day of Prayer is an annual observance held on the th first Thursday of May inviting people of all faiths to pray for the nation. It was created in 1952 by a joint resolution of the United States Congress and signed into law by President Harry S. Truman. I don't think that they would be able to pass such a, a law. No, no, they would not. No, no, no. They would not be able to. Uh, we're too busy doing this. This is what happened in Minneapolis this week. This is a momentous occasion for inclusion and freedom of religion in Minneapolis. With the stroke of this pen, we and our Muslim community 
will have the ability to hear the call to prayer in Adan five times a day. If you were living in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and all of a sudden you were hearing the morning prayer Muslim thing that they do, and you heard it five times a day, would you feel like you're in the wrong country? Uh, that, for some reason, on so many le- visceral levels, it just seems wrong to me that they would do that. I just don't, you know, because to me, that's that's not e pluribus unum. Please, wake up. We'll be right back. You're listening to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. Stay tuned. Today is today. And yesterday was today, yesterday. Tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. So live today, so the future today will be as the past. Welcome back to Speaking Out America, JR. Let's go, Brandon. Wear your mask, take your pills. Now a whole generation's mentally ill. Notice how everybody's backtracking now on how they responded to the COVID pandemic. You know, there's Randy Weingarten, the the National Union president for uh, basically all the teachers. Seemed to me that she was right there front and center. And quite afraid of sending teachers back into the classroom with those dastardly little children that might be spreading the virus. You know, these people are unconscionable. They completely stunted the educational and probably emotional growth of millions of kids. And what do they got for it? What Now, now what they're doing? They're backtracking. Oh, that wasn't our idea. That wasn't my idea. Everybody's pointing at the other person and saying, I wasn't the one that made that call. Is it any wonder that Anthony Fauci took up a cush job in Italy with a big pharma, big Italian pharmaceutical there? He's on the advisory board, probably paying him two, three million a year. Who knows? But I'm willing to bet you that they threw in a home, piece of property, a nice place for him to stay, nice place for him to live so he doesn't have to deal with the unruly people. You know, I did an update on my coronavirus podcast today, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, just to kind of give you an update on where we're at with that, uh, you know, of course, they did drop all of the travel restrictions, so you don't have to show proof of uh, your vaccination when you come into the United States. That's gone. No more mandates. No more federal mandates. That's gone. Um, You know that they've been paying people now? For vaccine adverse effects, there's three cases. Uh, Let me see if I can find that story here. Yep, here it is. The United States, for the first time, paid people who were injured by COVID-19. Three people received compensation for their injuries through the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, which they're trying to keep under wraps because, you know, CICP is what it's called. The Countermeasures Injury Compensation compensation program run by an agency within the Department of Health and Human Services. Officials said in a new update, one person who suffered a severe allergic shock received about $2,000. Another person uh, who had suffered myocarditis got a check for $1,500. Another person who suffered myocarditis uh, got uh, almost 1100 bucks. 
And they did not name the vaccines. That was not made public. And nor were the people who received the payments. And again, the government has been trying to keep it under wraps. And it's unavoidable. Uh, and I, I, I tell you, I, I think there's so many different lawsuits that could be hit. hit. So many different agencies of the government that, that could be sued. The, the pilots uh, who were forced to not fly because they wouldn't get mandates. Athletes. You know, it was a, a very dark chapter in our history. But, you know, we learned something and we're learning now what the tyrants will do when given the opportunity under the guise of safety. So we have to be careful. We have to read more. We have to understand. And uh, let's see, there's also, did I drop that? The, the other part of that is that the statistics are good. So right now there are an average of 57 deaths uh, a day, people who die from COVID-related illness across the United States. So that would be a little more than five people per state if you averaged it out. Uh, there were 53 reported deaths on Tuesday from, again, COVID-related illness. Now, globally, the news is good, too. It used to be, well, I mean, not even that long ago in our country, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of deaths per day. On, on the global scale, the average number of deaths per day is 379. And on the last 24 hours, there were 372 deaths, so... That's just slightly less than the daily average, which is a good thing. Another interesting statistic is that the number of people getting vaccinated is also extremely low. It used to be about a million a day. Now it's about, what is it, 300,000? Uh, so that's a significant drop, which means that people are uh, not, they're either hesitant or they don't feel like they need to. And also there was another news item that I ran across, which I thought was interesting about COVID. They are doing a study now about the new variant that's out. It's called Omicron B5. And it's highly infectious, but it's not lethal or as lethal. They say that they think it might even cause, you know, pink eye. And why is it able to escape the immune system? And they discovered that the reason that the Omicron variant spreads is because of what they call the neutralization of antibodies, which results in immune escape, immune escape. When the immune system is unable to adequately recognize and eliminate a pathogen, and the risk of a breakthrough infection or reinfection has increased with the Omicron variant. Now, what that sounds like in layman's terms is that the body's immune system has been compromised. Now, there are studies that indicate that the spike protein may lead. In fact, there were early reports from some scientists, global scientists, that said spike proteins were the worst thing that they could put in this mRNA to activate immune response because it's just like well, they, they describe it as a firebomb. Um, and it continues on. It doesn't dissipate over time. <clears throat> and that's why we're seeing so many people having vaccine effects adverse effects. In fact, there's been 1.5 million people who have reported, not necessarily everybody, but who have reported adverse effects since they start, started beginning vaccination. And of that 1.5 million, 35,000 ended up in death, 198,000 ended up in 
some kind of hospitalization, 19,000 heart attacks, 27,000 cases of myocarditis reported, and 42,000 cases of severe allergic reaction. And this is all post-vaccination. And, you know, interesting, tying this to politics, it is reported, though not confirmed, that Dianne Feinstein has been suffering ever since she got vaccinated, and that's why she hasn't been uh, showing up to work. And Chuck Schumer is getting kind of tired of it. He's more or less said, you know, look, die, you got to either go and put some, so we can have another election and put somebody in. We need that Democratic vote, and if you can't show up, then that's your problem. But I think there's a bit of irony there, because if she truly is a victim of the vaccine and the rush to market with his vaccine, and she has been suffering, and I know people that have been suffering, people suffering tremendously, the the stories are tragic. Uh, What makes it even more tragic is that you have doctors and physicians who do not want to deal head on with this idea. They're, They're actually encouraged to deny any connection to the vaccines. It's, it's as if the ghost of Anthony Fauci is still running the hallways of NIH. And uh, again, you know, we'll look back on this day at some point, and I hope that there is justice. Uh, there were way too many mistakes made, and it really exposed the, the, the amount of poor leadership we have, not only in the country, but in the world. And to think that there are wealthy uh, autocrats or people of influence like well, you know, you know the names, Bill Gates, George Soros, these people. Uh, to think that they sat around and devised this very thing that happened is, is all the more dumbfounding, really. And I'm being mild in my interpretation of said events. I mean, we'll never know. And there will continue to be questions that need to be answered. You know, I, I saw this clip from Tucker Carlson that's floating around. There's been a lot of these clips now floating around. And one of the things that he says is, you know, my problem was I was always asking questions about things that we weren't supposed to ask questions about. And then he says, and it's for the very reason that we're not supposed to be asking questions that we should be asking questions. And he makes a good point on that. We'll continue speaking out, America. Be right back. This is Speaking Out America with JR. Join us online at speakingoutamerica.com. All right, welcome back. And if you want to email the program, always email me at speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. And our website always has great articles you can check out. So please do that. And also just uh, thank you also for st- stopping by Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on crntalk.com. And Thursday is always my favorite day because it's Soundbite Thursday, where we take a look back at some of the more impressive sound bites from the week, things that just kind of make you go, huh? Uh, and of course, the one that I think is very strange is this one that I played earlier for you, the mayor of Minneapolis signing a bill that institutes five days, 
five times a day Muslim prayer for the citizens of Minneapolis. Listen to this. This is a momentous occasion for inclusion and freedom of religion in Minneapolis. With the stroke of this pen, we and our Muslim community will have the ability to hear the call to prayer in Adan five times a day. Think that'll be on the news tonight? I bet you it will be. It just shows you what happens over time when you integrate and you have two cultures and one seeks to dominate the other. And, and all throughout history, we see examples of this. You know, Minneapolis has a lot of people who are probably one of the higher concentrations of the Islamic faith. So, but it's it's a step away from what I think we all like, which is pluralism. And I think that that's served America for a long time. Here's Trump. Uh, this is an interesting soundbite that I caught wind of on social media. Take a listen. Here we go. Just as I predicted, now we're playing with the big stuff. The N-word, that is the nuclear word, is now being used front and center all over the world. This situation was caused by us. It's what happens when you have incompetent people running your government. All I can say to you is, right now, drop down and pray. And it is the National Day of Prayer, so uh, I'm with you on that one. We just sent another $30 million in aid to Ukraine. That's something, isn't it? $30 million. Here's a here's an oldie but goodie. Remember the Dr. Phil show? Dr. Phil, Phil Donahue? I always liked him. I was too young to discern that he was what we would consider today to be a progressive. I just found him to be entertaining, and he always had interesting guests on his show. But here he is, and I, it has to be in the mid-70s just based on the visuals, but here he is talking to economic brilliant genius Milton Freeman. And he asks a common question that a lot of liberals do ask, which is, can't you just agree that capitalism sucks? And here was Milton Friedman's brilliant response. Take a listen to this. When you see the greed and the concentration of power with it, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism? And whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they, where they have had capitalism and largely free trade. If you want to know where the masses are worth, worse off, worst off, it's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. Isn't that well stated? Greed is everywhere. How do you get? How, how do you stomp out greed? Where everybody just—it's like Margaret Thatcher once said: socialism is a great idea, but sooner or later you run out of other people's money. Uh, Victor David Hansen wrote a great article today. I'd like to share that with you because it is so vitally important to our status in the world and our place, and ultimately our status in the world will determine our culture of life. And he wrote an article and he penned it, New Ugly Americans. And I just want to make a brief stop here. And then he says a couple of things that we touched upon earlier in the program about our need to push wokeism 
overseas. It's a new form of what what is imperialism. So, for example, we have a $787 million program, or we had, showcased at Kabul University. $787 million subsidies went to gender studies in Afghanistan. The point that David Hansen is making is that what we're exporting, the world doesn't want. Now we have this White House manifesto, which is called the National Strategy on Gender Equity and Equality. And it's a blueprint for how to massage nations abroad to accept our values that are actually increasingly at odds with most of the world. And for example, he writes, do Americans really believe that embracing drag queen shows at military bases, abortion to the moment of birth, transgender men competing in women's sports, and the promised effort to ban the eternal combustion engine are effective ways to ensure relations with the United States? No wonder, he says, the Biden administration's new cultural imperialism is proving disastrous for a variety of reasons. Maybe this is why someone are eager now to join BRICS. Maybe they want to move away from the West. Maybe maybe their values are, are not running parallel with Western values these days. It used to be we just wanted them to buy our cheeseburgers and our chicken. And now we want them to buy our woke policies, which undermine family. And in many parts of the world, family is, 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 is sacred, but not so in America. And then he concludes, he says, most of the 7.9 billion people in the world are not woke. They are aspiring to obtain a modicum of the luxury and affluence taken for granted in the United States. The rest of the planet worries about whether it will have enough of food, energy, security, and shelter to live one more day. For most, the incessant woke virtue signaling from affluent Americans comes across as the whiny, bullying of pampered, self-righteous, and increasingly neurotic imperialists. They nailed that one. Did you ever read the book Ugly American? I remember that was... I want to say Malcolm McLaren, but I don't think that was it. That was the medium is the message. And speaking of energy, I always find uh, interesting takes. This one comes from a truck expert, and and he's also a commerce expert. So he knows a lot about uh, how the truck industry works, you know, cross-country trucking, all those big rigs you see on the – he's part of that little circle that orchestrates all of that. And he's talking about the desire to go electric vehicle and the impact that it makes. And he's talking about the impracticality of EV vehicles. Take a listen to what he has to say. Just so we're clear on the scale of the issue, each electric vehicle battery for a heavy-duty truck weighs 8,000 pounds. And you need at least two of them. So we're talking the weight of, you know, four or five cars. And our, my friends and peers in the industry nationwide who have tried to make efforts to put in, say, hey, I'm going to convert a dozen forklifts to electric, or I want to tee up a facility for 30 electric trucks. There's no power. The utilities come back, the cities come back and say, is this some kind of joke? One friend tried to put in, in Illinois, a, uh, a facility, tee it up for 30 trucks electrification. The city came back and said, this is some kind of joke. You're asking for more draw than the entire city requires. And just to give you an idea, 30, 50 trucks, that's like a five, six megawatt application. The factory that makes the trucks is a two megawatt factory. So if you do the math, then it's not possible to get the electricity needed to get those trucks. And that's interesting because our own Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, spoke and testified before congressional leaders last week 
saying that we are completely prepared to convert the military over to electric vehicles. Listen to her lies. Do you support the military adopting that EV fleet? be fleet by 2030? I do, and I think we can get there as well. And I do think that reducing our reliance on the volatility of globally traded fossil fuels, where we know that global events such as the war in Ukraine can jack up prices for people back home, it it, uh, does not contribute to energy security. I think energy security is achieved when we have homegrown clean energy that is abundant, like you see Mm -hmm. in Iowa. We think that we can uh, be a leader globally in how we have become energy independent. It's frightening to think that this person's in charge. And uh, the latest is that they're banning gas stoves in New York. Can you believe that? Any new building, no longer, it doesn't matter how rich you are. You can't use it because they are stuck in this 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 idea uh, that they're saving the planet. It's like a religion to them. It's it's magic thinking, really. I mean, it really is magic thinking if you think about it. You're talking about. Well, I don't want to go through that again. Every time it starts to get my my blood boiling, just read. <laughs> that's that's what I say. All right, the winner of the soundbite of the week award goes to this young lady. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and only ladies and gentlemen it is and shall always be. I am an 18-year-old high school student and wanted to take this time to bring to your attention the current issue with biological men claiming they are women and in turn truly believing that they are entitled to use women's spaces. There was an incident within our district that occurred recently regarding a transgender woman who really is a biological man having an altercation with a young woman at MLK High School. It was infuriating when I had seen the video on social media, but what was detrimental to this is the fact that this man is and has been using the women's restroom and locker room. Firstly, the question we must address is why are we affirming the mental confusion of this boy and putting the safety of women in jeopardy by allowing mentally confused men to use the women's spaces? And you know what? That is Riverside uh, High School, Martin Luther King High, talking about men wanting to be women in women's bathrooms. More people like that need to speak up, and the the press is doing such a disservice to these young people by not supporting them. Talk about having a voice. That's going to do it for this edition of the program. It has been a doozy, and it's been fun. Don't forget, online, speakingoutamerica.com. See you tomorrow, 5 o'clock Pacific, right here on crntalk.com.